Okay, fine. We couldn't help ourselves. It's only the second ever episode of the Sparta podcast, and we had to talk to Cheryl Jean-Paul. She, of course, is our women's basketball coach here at Trinity Western. How can you not love Cheryl once you get to know her, which you will shortly? She's rebuilt our women's basketball program. She's a powerful voice in the basketball community, and as a biracial female coach in Canada, she continues to be an absolute inspiration and a leader in so many ways across our country. So let's get to it. I'm Mark Jansen, but over the next few episodes, Tyler Jones will be taking over the mic for a fascinating series with a few of our coaches. So settle in. From Trinity Western University in Langley, British Columbia, Canada, this is the Sparta Podcast. We are now welcoming on to the Sparta Podcast head coach of the TWU women's basketball team, Cheryl Jean-Paul, not Cheryl Jean-Paul. <laughs> How are we doing? Uh, I'm doing quite well. I'm uh, sitting in my car right now. I know the podcast world can't see me, but um, you know, I am sitting outside of one of my favorite places in the world, which is the Langley Event Center. So it is a truly wonderful place. And uh, I actually, I'm really glad that uh, your team has been able to get some runs in in person this year, obviously in a socially distanced manner for the most part. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about like what the COVID-19 pandemic has meant to you and your team? You know, there's been so much uncertainty this entire year. And, um, you know, if you asked any coach, like if you had to boil it down to what, if you could, if you could only pick one or two things that you could do with your team, what it would it be? And um, I think being able to be face to face is definitely one of the things that, um, that I would pick. I know that, um, you know, we started out in, in the late spring when we were able to kind of get back out of lockdown um, and it was driveway sessions, <laughs> you know, um, with the local athletes. And, um, you know, I was able to see some of the other town athletes on my drive um, from Winnipeg back to BC uh, when I went to go visit family um, and then it was just, okay, what is this year going to look like? And it, you know, from one perspective, it just felt like everything was taken away and it was always this, well, maybe, well, maybe, well, maybe all these uncertainty of when things would be able to come back. But, um, you know, as time kind of went on, we realized that that was, that's the nature of COVID. You just, you can't plan too much. Um, you have to, you know, do what you can do to the best of your abilities and not take what you are doing for granted because within a split second, it can be gone. So um, we've been on court as a team since September. Uh, we took a little bit of a longer uh, Christmas break this year um, because we just weren't getting ready for games. Um, and that's a big part of what we do, but uh, we've been able to kind of, I guess, pivot is the word these days, but, um, you know, pivot into focusing a little bit more on, skill development and player development and personal development and um, really digging a little bit deeper into some of the off court things that we often have as our third or fourth priority when it's the season. Um, but this year we were able to, to say, you know, these things are important to us. So why not spend a little bit more time focusing on some of those things? So um, I have been very fortunate to see my team. I don't know if they share that sentiment, but <laughs> you know, um, I'm sure they're happy to see each other. Maybe not me so much, but uh you know, they, they have been able to get into the gym, you know, multiple days a week and see each other. And uh, I, we're just very thankful for, for the fact that they've had that social 
aspect to life, which mm-hmm. um, for, for those that haven't been on sports teams, I know that's been one of the hardest parts about this is just that sense of isolation. And so um, we have been fortunate um, of all the things that we, we were able to keep, you know, seeing each other face to face was one of them. That's awesome. And I, so you guys have quite a young team and I know last year it was a bit of a transition year. Uh, if that's one way to put it, just because like you had so many first years, like starting, you had like Jaden mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. uh, Jaden Gill was a first year coming out of Bateman and mm-hmm. she was starting pretty much every game for you. I think she actually did start every single one of the 20 games. So uh, I, I do definitely see that importance uh, in being able to, in a sense, refine your craft this year. Is there a bit of a sense of, losing out on this competitive edge is there a bit of a sense of not being able to improve the way you would like this year or are you still finding that for you and the team you guys are still being able to refine your craft in a sense well the the thing I love about basketball is that there is so much to work on to get better as a basketball player um obviously offense defense that competitive part of the game is where you see if your skill development is actually working. You know, you can, you can work on certain moves and you can work on certain shots, but at the end of the day, if you can't do it against defense, then it really doesn't matter. And so um, we've had to be creative with how we're working through that. But like you said, I mean, we went from having uh, a very senior team that had worked, you know, multiple years to get to where they got. And, um, you know, some of our athletes had their first year with those girls. Um, but the reality is it's kind of a, it's the next cycle now where, you know, we have some young leaders and we have some, um, you know, some future really great players that probably got thrown into it a little bit too quickly last year. And I think in some ways this year was a chance to breathe and to, you know, to understand um, who they need to become for our program to be successful in the next few years. And so, um, you know, there's times where, you know, yeah, like, does this move work? I don't know. Uh, I haven't tried it against anybody, but, um, you know, that's why I think basketball is a great sport because you can see improvement in your game without playing in a game. Um, and obviously our, our goal is that we can get back to scrimmaging and back to contact at some point in the summer. Um, and then we'll have, you know, hopefully that sense of, okay, now I'm actually putting it into practice and it does work and I just need to refine you know, the decision-making a little bit when it comes to defense. So um, we've, we've tried to be creative as a coaching staff to make sure that um, they don't feel as though uh, I don't know how this fits into the game, or I'm not sure if um, this is the right type of look for me. And so trying to set up, this is what help side defense would look like, or this is where this is the read based on, you know, what a defender could be doing. Um, And at some point it'll, it'll, it'll feel, Oh, okay. Yeah. That doesn't work. Or that's not fast enough. Or, you know, I, I need to release the ball a little bit sooner, but um, I think the groundwork is being done. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the results of that. Right. Could you tell us what the most important thing for you and your team and on a basketball level here, uh, what is the most necessary thing that you have found this year that you want to work on with the team? Well, you know, Define being competitive. I think that, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of athletes on our team that are like, I'm, I hate losing. I'm really competitive. And it's, it's a vague comment to me sometimes where I'm like, but what does that mean? What does that mean when you step into training? What does that mean in every single drill? What does that mean 
you know, are, are you willing to kind of call people up to a higher standard um, if, if they're not competitive within a drill or a setting? And so we've really, you know, spent some time kind of focusing on what that looks like and, and finding that internal motivation versus, you know, when you're playing games, you can play for the people in the stands, you can play for, you know, your personal stats, you can play for, um, you know, that kind of public praise and, and all those kind of things. But when we've been kind of locked down for an entire season, you have to find something else that drives you. And I think that, um, you know, there's that sense of who am I, what is my identity as a basketball player, if those things are taken away. And I just, it, it goes back to being that kid on your driveway, shooting hoops when you were a kid and nobody was watching and you were working on something just because you love the game. And so um, this, this year has really forced people to kind of take a step back and ask themselves, how much do I love this game? Like, do I love it enough to do all of this in front of nobody but my teammates and my coaches? Um, and so I think it's not been necessarily a bad thing to figure that out um, and to have a little bit of that reset where um, sometimes you get caught up in how much there is to do that you, you, you end up losing kind of your love of the game. And so um, I know that people really want to get back to the game and uh, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what that looks like. Could you tell us, so going off that a little bit, could you tell us how you are trying to, in a sense, like activate that out of your players? Like, how are you trying to bring that competitive edge out and that love back into the game in such a weird year? Well, I think a lot of it is just being self-directed and self-motivated and um, giving them tools and then allowing them to figure out what does that look like. And so you know, we've talked a lot about, okay, if, if you're in the gym on your own for 45 minutes, what are you working on? And instead of just randomly shooting shots for 45 minutes, there is a, every time that you're doing something, you have a goal and you have um, a motivation, whether it's, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I want to shoot and I can't miss them this many shots in a row, or, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to shoot until I make this many, or uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give myself three or four different types of shots that I'm going to work on. And I have to keep going until I've made five in a row. And so just kind of finding that um, I remember doing that as a kid, you know, just finding ways to challenge yourself um, because there was no one else around. And I think that um, in some forms, this generation has lost that a little bit simply because they've played so much basketball that was very structured and um, I remember playing so much unstructured basketball when I was a kid um, that I didn't need a coach around to work on my skills um, and I find that um, you know as kind of club teams have come up and and more structure to the high school season and especially for female athletes like we don't see them playing unstructured basketball as much as um, they used to and so um, there is this sense of, I'm just going to sit and wait until my coach tells me what I'm supposed to be working on. And so that's been a big piece of finding your own motivation where I shouldn't have to be there for you to feel like you improved in the on-court session that you had on your own or with a teammate. And you're able to guide your own, your own destiny when it comes to being a basketball player. And, and you don't necessarily need someone to, to kind of say, this is who you should be becoming. And this is what you need to work on. Right. And you came in to begin coaching the Spartans in 2010, I believe, correct? That's right. Yeah. Okay. And so you basically had to like rebuild a program. And I know the men's team are actually in a very similar situation right now. Uh, the team was actually 62 and 198. That was their record from 2000 to 2009. 
what were the pillars for you in the rebuild? Because it, it was a successful rebuild. You have instilled a strong culture in our TWU women's basketball program. Well, it's, it's funny. I'll, I'll make this kind of jab at Mars Hill a little bit <laughs> because a few years a few years in, um, there was an article that was written, which was almost the last time that I read Mars Hill because um, it was a direct assault on, <laughs> on me no as a way. coach. I've never heard of, of this. I'm program. the editor in yeah. chief. Yeah. And um, it, it was basically like, what were you doing hiring this coach? What has she done? Um, and it, it was it was hurtful um, because there was so much work that had to be done before the wins were going to come. And um, I knew that. And I think the people that were um, day to day with the program knew that. And, you know, from the exterior, it was like, you can't take a program that has struggled for that long and it's not going to happen in a year and it's not going to happen in two and it might not even happen in three. And so, um, you know, we started three and 21 my first year and then we got to five wins and then we got to seven wins and then we got to eight wins. And then, you know, steadily now we had our first season where, um, you know, we had a winning record and then we made playoffs and then we won a playoff game. And so it just, it was just building on, on what we had, but it wasn't looking back at the historical, well, you know, 10 years ago or five years ago, it was like, okay, let's start from scratch. And so, you know, as someone who came from a program that had that type of culture, um, you know, there were some things that I thought I could just, well, let's just do it the way that I grew up in the program that I grew up in. And I realized it wasn't, it wasn't a direct translation. Um, it was, it's a different culture. It's a different school. You're recruiting potentially different type of athlete. And so, um, a lot of it was the foundational work. It wasn't, um, quick fixing it, trying to get a bunch of transfers in, um, to see what we could do. Like the, you know, the extent of what I was trying to do was I want to see sustainability. Um, and I know that that's, it's so hard when coaches are taking over program where maybe we can get you know, a player to come in in their fourth or fifth year and turn things around. And we see a little bit more of that on the guy's side than on, on the women's side. Um, but it was about building our lifting culture and it was about building our academic standards. And it was about building, um, you know, that identity as a women's basketball player and not being ashamed to wear. Um, and I, I've said this to my athletes before that one of the reasons why I want them wearing our team gear and why it's so important to me is because it took us two or three years before athletes actually felt comfortable wearing women's basketball gear around campus because they didn't want people to know that they played for the women's basketball team. And, um, you know, they didn't want to be made fun of and they didn't want to be mocked. And unfortunately that was some of the experiences that I had. And so that was sad for me to hear that those things are happening on their own campus. Um, and I found that our, our team theme has been more than conquerors. And to be honest, there were times where it was more about the internal struggle that we were facing within our own walls um, versus us versus the world, which is what I thought it was going to be initially. And so we really had to be overcomers. We had to fight even the naysayers that were within our own campus that were writing articles about how bad our program was. Um, and it felt like it was our team versus the world, including the people that we were in classes with and we were walking down the halls with. Um, so it was, there were so many challenges that we had to take on that it was every year was like, how much can we improve? Well, we have to, we have to do this, this, and this. And again, getting a great athlete to commit to our program, they needed to be coming, they needed to be coming to a program that had a foundation and had kind of structure and had a direction and had a vision. And uh, it didn't happen overnight. It took a few years to get some of those things. But once we got it, um, we definitely saw um, a culture change, which was exciting to see. 
on behalf of Mars Hill, as I currently serve <laughs> as the editor in chief, I sincerely apologize. I hope you pick up uh, one of our issues uh, this year. Yeah, I've I've come back. I've come back. It took me a few years, but um, you know, obviously, we had some athletes that were writing some articles, um, and so I definitely wanted to support them. But that that hurt. Um, it it was hurtful because um, you know, have a conversation with me before writing an article about me. Um, you know, ask what the vision is. Um, but, uh, but it's also, was that the truth? It was the truth. We weren't great. And our record wasn't great. Um, but it, it was one of those things that just kind of reaffirmed why what I was doing was so important. Um, because we were on a campus that had a very successful women's soccer team and, and a very successful volleyball program, both on the men's and the women's side. Um, and so to expect every team to be like that uh, was unreasonable. Um, but also, you know, the culture and nature of basketball is also very different on a lot of different campuses. So there's context to what we were trying to do. Um, and I knew that, and I was hoping that my athletes would understand that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, one of, one of the highlights to me was when we hosted a playoff weekend and, uh, it was just one women's game. It wasn't the guys afterwards and the gym was packed and it was, um, that was kind of, uh, a really special moment for me because you go from year one where you've got, you know, a few parents <laughs> who are painfully watching your games um, and students don't want to come and friends, they don't even want their friends to come because they're like, Oh, don't come and watch us lose by 50. Um, to then all of a sudden having this entire community that backs you up. And um, you know, it, it just was really special because for me, I, I knew what it was day one. Um, I know a lot of our current athletes don't remember that. And so, you know, a lot of my decisions and a lot of how I've done things is based on the historical context of, I know what it was like 11 years ago. So. Totally. And so talking about that foundation that you wanted to build when you came in to rebuild this program, culture is obviously something that's really important to you. Could you tell us a little bit about what, a good team culture means to and what is a negative team culture you know we've experienced both sides of it throughout you know throughout the years um i think sometimes unfortunately the the record sometimes dictates the culture which means that the culture is not strong enough um but you know servant leadership has been kind of a cornerstone of our of our culture and um you know it's it's not about looking for out for yourself or trying to meet your own needs and not worrying about anybody else, but it's really about serving your teammates and serving your program and serving your school and the basketball community. And so um, I think that was a big piece of our culture, you know, developing as a leader is a big part of our culture, understanding that, um, you know, you, you're going to play a few years of basketball and then you're going to move on with your life. And so, you know, what are you picking up that you're going to be able to apply in any context? Um, whether you continue playing basketball pro, which we've had a few athletes who've done that, um, or you're going into the workforce or, you know, you're starting a family or whatever that situation ends up being, um, that you're coming out of this program with, with some additional tools. And so, um, that's been a big piece of it and, and just being part of the progress. I mean, I, I have struggled with that at times as a coach where the outcomes are what others judge. And sometimes you do get caught up in that. Um, but the reality is it's, it's been the process that's been really important to us of what does it take for you to become a great basketball player? And if that's what you want to be, um, then let's go from there. And, and we've had some teams that haven't wanted to be that. 
Um, and that's hard for, for me as a competitive coach um, that why would you not want to pursue the best of your abilities? And, you know, we've kind of had to work through some of that over the years as well, but um, you know, it's, it's really exciting when you have, like we do a young group that's really motivated, that is competitive, that they are all on the same page with what they want to achieve as a team. And, uh, you know, it's going to be really exciting to see them gel and, and kind of start seeing some of that proof as soon as we get back to competition. So with this young group of girls that you're coaching currently, what goes into developing these leaders? Because you are a strong female leader. How do you seek to inspire that? Well, it, you know, it's funny. We had a team culture meeting earlier this year and, um, you know, we typically, every player on the team has a leadership role and, you know, some of them are not as glamorous as others. <laughs> and so um, the first years often get the, um, we'll just call it the equipment manager leadership role. And their job is just this year, their job was to make sure that, uh, you know, the basketballs got uh, sanitized and, you know, the gear is ready to go. And, uh, you know, the first year is usually when they're given that role, they kind of roll their eyes like this is a leadership role. And so I stopped the meeting and I'd said, okay, all of our upper classmen, you know, all of our older athletes, I'm like, how many of you did this role in your first year? And literally every single one of our older athletes who were now leaders and captains had done that role in their first year. And I think it was a realization for them that you have to start somewhere. It's not always going to be a big role. It's not always going to be a glamorous role. Um, but show us what you can do with the little things and then, you know, do a good job of that, serve your team in that way. And then as you get older, you're going to take on bigger leadership roles and, and you're going to be ready for them. And so um, it was kind of in response to a few years ago when we didn't do this, um, we had, you know, two or three captains that literally did everything and a bunch of younger athletes that were just waiting to be older so that they could be captains. My mind, I was like, that's kind of backwards. Like, how are you actually getting ready to become a captain at some point? And you have to learn how to serve your team and put your team ahead of your own needs because that's the expectation of the leader. That's super cool that you give like that kind of agency to everyone on your team. Like it doesn't need to be, like you said, these three team captains who are carrying so much of the load possibly on the court as well. So uh, I think that's actually like a very underutilized coaching tactic, like giving, making everyone feel like they have a, a responsibility, no matter how non-important it seems, that is like, that's how you will bring out that sort of grit that will come out in those later years. And when it's the fourth quarter and your team is down by four points, that's when those moments are going to build into a result one day. So that's super cool. I respect that a lot. Well, it, it goes both ways, right? Like it's the younger ones and, um, you know, like you'd said, potentially athletes that have smaller on-court roles that understand that what you do matters. Um, you know, the little things are not insignificant. I mean, whether you're um, the one that's coordinating the mentors or whether you're the one that is leading Bible studies or you're the one that is um, in charge of our volunteering expectations, you know, those things matter to our culture. They matter to our team. And at the end of the day, they will matter to our performance, but it's also, you know, for those older athletes to remind themselves that every person on their team needs to do their part so that our team functions properly. And so um, sometimes that's easier said than done, 
Um, but it's definitely something that um, I think our, our team is definitely embodied. And it's really fun to see someone shine in their smaller roles because, you know, oftentimes we know that they're going to be captains two or three years before they're named captains simply because of how they stood out with the smaller roles that they were given. So where we are now, obviously, this year has probably taught you a lot, but since 2010, what has this head coaching role taught you? What are some of the most important lessons you've had to learn? You know, I think hard and fast rules are very easy to, um, to have, to implement, not so much. Uh, and I think, you know, over the span of, of the last decade, it's been realizing which battles needed to be fought and which ones just didn't make sense. Um, and I think over the span of, you know, the last several years since we've had success and there's now a vision of success within this program, uh, you know, that blind, um, I guess, you know, where we're going kind of blind trust, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of had to become a different type of trust where, you know, we, we are starting that next cycle and it's, it's going to be some, there's going to be some bumps in the road, just like the previous cycle had. Um, but the goal is to get there a little bit faster. And so um, I, I think that there's been a lot of growth and a lot of personal growth um, for me personally, and just learning how to be more effective and in how we do things and why we do things and answering the why a lot more. Um, you know, and it's funny because the alumni, whenever they come back, they always challenge me on, well, you used to make us do this. In my mind, I was like, you know what? to be honest, because you guys did what you did, this group doesn't have to do it anymore because you set the tone. Like all those things are actually now just, I'm not battling um, study hall and I'm not battling lifting every single day. I don't like those things are not even in question anymore um, because of what the previous generation did. And it's really important that we don't forget that because they did and put in a lot of work for this program to be where it is today. And uh, we hopefully don't want to take that for granted because it, it took a lot for us to get to where we are. Now, obviously this year may have looked a little bit different in having like one-on-one -on -one meetings with team members, but could you tell us a little bit about like, what does the one-on-one -on -one player coach relationship mean to you and how, what is your like general approach to that? You know, it's, it's been different, different years, kind of depending on what we're, what we're battling, what we're facing, um, the age of the athletes, you know, when you have older athletes or a chunk of older athletes, you tend to have a lot more informal. Um, you know, I used to just say, okay, you have an individual meeting with me at this time, show up. And there was this, what is she going to ask me? You know, like, how's this going to go? Um, and so it's, it's preparing them a little bit more for their meetings. Now um, we've been fortunate to be able to you know, kind of sit physically distance in a gym um, during an on-court session to have chats that way. Um, and I think a lot of the individual meetings this year have been focused on, so what are, what are you doing? Like, what is your goal? Um, what is your, like, capacity when it comes to um, the mental side of, of, of skill development? And, um, you know, we, we have spent a lot of time talking about our mental performance and trying to figure out if people can identify what their ideal, ideal performance state is and, and just some of the mental skills that we, um, you know, we, we spent time on this like five years ago. Um, but again, when you kind of start your cycle up again, you have to go back and say, okay, what did that group need when they were first coming up and kind of repeating some of that. So we haven't had as many, you know, in the van on the road trip kind of conversations a lot of the informal stuff is isn't there as, as it normally would be but um 
I feel like a lot of it is just, um, you know, them being able to kind of assess how they're doing and then being able to communicate that with, with me. And so, um, you know, I, I feel like we've made some progress on that. Right. And for you as a black woman in a position uh, of leadership, you have talked about the lack of representation of black women in Western Canada, Western Canadian sports. Could you tell us a little bit about like what for you as like in this position of leadership, what do you want to see come out of that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think that, um, you know, obviously this year has presented a lot of challenging conversations to have about race and representation and, um, you know, what does racism actually look like in Western Canada? It's, it's not always the same. Um, but I, I think a lot of it is not feeling like it's so special to have a black woman as your head coach, um, which you know, and, and I've said this before, when I get on a Zoom call with my peers here, it's 10 or 11 white guys and me. <laughs> and so um, that's not unusual. And that's been uh, most of my career, um, whether it was in Winnipeg or, or whether it was out here. And so it'd be really nice to see that trend change. Um, it would be really nice for some of the mentorship programs that have started within CCAA and within U Sports um, really take hold in um, empowering young women to realize that I actually can do this. And I know it's been humbling for me to hear from, you know, black coaches across the country that I didn't think I could until I saw you. Um, and some of those things were like, wow, I've, I've, I didn't realize that people were paying attention. I was just trying to survive. I was just trying to figure out what I was doing, even from like a national team perspective. And so, you know, the doors have been have been opening for me, which I've really appreciated the opportunities to step into head coaching roles um, in so many different avenues. Um, and the goal is to, to empower other young women to step into those roles as well. Um, it's not easy and it's not for sure. It's not for everybody, um, but it's definitely something that I'm passionate about. And, you know, hopefully there are other young black and BIPOC student athletes that are saying, you know, maybe that is something that I'd like to see myself pursue as I get older. You're like, I, I don't know if you get this a lot, but like, even just like our brief conversation that we've had, like, I'm, I'm quite inspired <laughs> and like, I'm not an easy person <laughs> to inspire. So like, obviously like conversations like this and me being a huge sports fan, and for all the other sports fans on campus, I think it is really important for people to like listen to these messages, especially when the basketball team that you're coaching is coming off a tough year, quote unquote, tough year, because it's a transition period. I, I think that's super cool that like your outlook is still like, hey, this is a cycle. We don't need transfers we need to instill culture, we need to practice, we need to get in the weight room. So uh, I really respect that. And so moving on into this next season, what, what are you, what are you hoping for? Like, obviously, the obvious answer is, yeah, we want to go 18 and <laughs> 18 <laughs> and you guys play 20, 24 games. 
20 we've played 20 who knows what the season will look like this right. year but yeah you know. so let's say 18 and 2 that's obviously what you guys are hoping <laughs> for but apart from that what is what is your goal for next year well i i think that there is um not wanting to lose some of the things that we've gained this year um i know not being in a normal year there's this tendency to well as soon as we get back to normal let's just we don't have to worry about some of these things anymore. Um, and, you know, like you don't spend the year focusing on culture or mental performance or, um, you know, just mental health hygiene and just taking care of yourself and learning how to um, do all these things to just discard those things once you get back to a regular routine. So I think that's obviously one of the goals that some of those things actually become part of our, our new culture. Um, I think obviously we want to have success on court, but um, you know, define success. I think that's always kind of the, the toughest thing where, you know, we, we often go straight to our record and say, well, yeah, that was a successful year. And I've played on teams and I've coached other programs that have had very, very good records that have been some of the worst teams that I've been a part of. And so, you know, you kind of have to balance the what people see and then what you actually know about what's happening um, behind the scenes. So I think for us, you know, the goal, and we, we said this a few off seasons ago that, you know, we are who we say that we are and, and that's based on our action and that's based on how we treat people and that's how we compete. And, and I think that those things, God will bless those things. Um, and you know, the blessings aren't always in a national championship. Um, but sometimes the blessings are seeing people's lives transformed. And, and I think that, um, you know, we don't want to lose that faith aspect of, of what we've also been able to do because, um, we've seen transformation and we've seen growth. And at the end of the day, I've, I've said this to, to people in the past where let's say that in six or seven or eight or nine years, you get married. How much of your speech at your wedding do you think you're going to talk about your basketball playing days? You might mention it. There might be two sentences. Maybe there'll be a picture of you. You know, maybe there's going to be a picture of you and your team. There might be a table of people that you used to play with. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a very small part of your life. And so you want to make sure that what you put in is something that's going to benefit you for the rest of your life. And so I want this program to have success and we'd love to get to playoffs next year and, and make a run and kind of do all those things that all teams across the country want to do. Um, but at the end of the day, there's so much more that we can be a part of here. And I think that's kind of one of those special parts about being at Trinity. 100%. Anyways, we're very excited to see where uh, the next little while in the Cheryl Jean-Paul era of <laughs> TW Women's Basketball goes. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. It was an absolute pleasure. You're welcome. That's going to wrap up this episode of the Sparta Podcast. We will see you again soon. Bye-bye for now. Thank you, Cheryl Jean-Paul. Thank you, Tyler Jones. I'm Mark Jansen. Make sure you subscribe. Wherever you're listening to this podcast makes everyone's life easier, makes everyone's life better. You don't miss another episode. We'll be back soon enough with more interviews and stories on the Sparta Podcast. Sparta.